This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. Here, Reggie points to the often hidden and unrecognized dimensions in the life journey of the Buddha. He says that Thich Nhat Hanh's book, Old Path, White Clouds, shows how the Buddha's renunciation of conventional norms was quite radical and threatening to the cultural establishment of his day. This talk was offered at a Dhyana Sangha weekend and shared with the Public Broadcasting Service in support of the film, The Buddha. To explore more of Reggie's teachings on the Buddhist tradition, please visit dharmaocean.org. The Buddha, you know, like all of us, grew up in a culture. And initially as a child, he interjected you know, to use a psychological term, the view of his parents and the view of his culture. And one of the, sort of the thing about human beings is that they they create mental worlds and they live in them. And then there's a kind of process of, if the mental world is sufficiently porous, then you can maintain contact with reality. If it becomes too solid, then you go insane. So we're all sort of living somewhere between sanity and insanity, always. And he you know, he made this journey of um, beginning to discover that everything that he thought wasn't right. And in fact, even the mere fact of thinking isn't right. And he had to let go of everything in his life. He um, had to let go of his family. He had to let go of his culture. He had to let go of all the things that um, he believed about what is true. And he even had to let go of all the spiritual traditions that were available, and he studied them, and he met some very powerful people. But in the end, he realized that they also had their ideas. And his discovery, which was that he lost everything, 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 when he sat beneath the tree of enlightenment. And he realized that truly there is no... There is nothing except just the absolute nakedness of mind, where there are no thoughts, and there, there, are no, there is no territory, there is no ground, there's no retreat, and in fact there's no time. Even time is our thing that we make up. And no one had come across this, or if they had, they hadn't told anybody in a long time. And he did say, you know, this used to be known. This way of living used to be known, but everybody has become so enamored of all the different ways in which you can think about reality and image it and control it and feel like you have some reference point that it's, it's been lost, and I found it, and I'm awake. Many people in his day um, were very angry at him and felt that uh, he was disloyal and they had all their different versions of his disloyalty. Disloyal to his family, um, disloyal to his culture. Many people were outraged that he didn't go along with the caste system. 
and that he treated um, people who were at the bottom of the social scale with the same amount of respect he treated people who were at the top. Disloyal to these former teachers that he'd studied with, disloyal to the spiritual values of India. People were very angry because what he said is there's no freedom anywhere from top to bottom. The only freedom is when you actually step out of it altogether, when you allow yourself to be stripped down to nothing. Part of the thing that outraged people about the Buddha was that the Dharma is not for sale at any price. And he lived in a world where everybody used the Dharma as bait. The Dharma here meaning uh, the teaching. It's bait. It's bait for to attract people. It's bait to get large donations. It's bait to establish your reputation. It's bait to collect people together into social situations. And um, he didn't go along with it. He was willing to live in a way that truly, you know, his own life actually was threatened by other people. This is not well known about the Buddha. We have this very um, kind of uh, pleasant account of his life. Uh, I mean, if you read between the lines, no. But um, a very pleasant, very pleasant person. Everybody loved him. The kings loved him. Uh, he went to the cities. Everybody came out to hear him. Oh, no. Thich Nhat Hanh put together uh, a lot of uh, texts and uh, did a lot of research, actually, in the Chinese canon, where there's, there are a lot of things preserved that we don't have preserved in some of the other canons. And he wrote this book called The uh, Old Path, White Clouds, which is a, a life of the Buddha, which seems, in a way, very contemporary. But then you look at the man's sources, and actually he's, he's drawing in a lot of things. People hated the Buddha. A lot of people hated him. A lot of people wanted him dead. And there were many attempts, basically, to uh, frame him and accuse him and his disciples of doing all kinds of terrible things. And you wonder, well, what's the problem? I mean, the man was so gentle, and the man had so much integrity. Well, that is exactly the problem. People didn't want to hear about it. You know, he was a very outrageous teacher in that way. So this tradition stayed alive for a long time, down to the present. And uh, it's become a very, you know, it's become part of human cultures throughout the world. And it has many different forms, many different levels, and it's reflected, you know, all the way from uh, yogis meditating in caves to pretty much an amalgamation between the institutionalized Buddhism and uh, the political powers in different countries. So you see a whole complete range. And uh, there is a kind of living spring, and sometimes that living spring gets covered over. In fact, often it does in Buddhist tradition, but... The living spring that, in a way, is the life of this tradition has never died out. And in the early Prajnaparamita, you know, this was a secret teaching. It was a teaching in the jungles. These people um, very much in that line. And then, of course, the Siddhas in India, somewhere, you know, after the 3rd or 4th century, um, they held this tradition. And uh, they were also people who really didn't have anything to do with the establishment at all. And there have always been a few people who have kept it, have stayed in touch with it. And there have been many times in Buddhist history when it seemed that it had died out, and then some people, men and women, wandering around in the jungle somewhere found it, and they stayed there, and they nourished themselves, and then they came and brought it back to us.
if you look at the life of the Buddha and you look at um, what he discovered, there's no question whatsoever that it's it's exactly this that he found. To download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org. Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet, Cry of the Snow Lion.